0: 19 minutes it is after 7pm, and uh, yeah, it's our wrap of the top business stories. That's where we kick things off, as we often do. Tonight, Roy Mutoni, analyst at Absa Asset Management, is my guest to to take a look at the big stories out in company news, but also across the economy. Roy, good evening and welcome. Hi, Abongal. Thanks for having me, and good evening to the listeners. Yeah, man, thank you so much for coming through. Roy, I want us to start things off with those numbers that came through from Sanlam. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always, I guess, and I must say this, very fascinated by you know, the entire shift in, in many ways from what Sanlam was. I mean, it was a m- middle market Afrikaner type operation. And uh, I think, you know, the type of new volume growth they've seen in the post-apartheid period um, probably can't, you know, uh, ascribe them to that same market. Um, what do you make of this set of numbers and I guess uh, the role of new business volumes uh, over the last uh, 12 months or so?
1: So, so you're absolutely right, but I, I think I think what we've seen here is a significant evolution and upgrading of um, of, of the vision of the business mm-hmm. through the various CEOs who've come through over the past few years. It's a very professional um, group now, very well managed, um, and each of the each of the businesses seems to be firing on all cylinders. So in this result, first of all, the thing which stands out is they're ahead of. Where they were pre-pandemic, so they mm. paid back their problems of, they paid back the problems that the pandemic brought. Like you said, new business volumes are coming through, and that's both in that's both in short term and in the life business, and in the investment business. So it just means that I think the market's perception, and this is the man in the street who buys insurance or investment mm. products, their perception of Sun must be. Positive must be really yeah. good um, for them to be sending business their way to this to this extent. Um, equity markets definitely helped the result, um, and they also had a bit of strong provisioning from from previously and some excess capital mm. because of the pandemic. But I think when you put it all together, these are numbers that point all in the right direction. Very strong um, ahead of even management guidance um, before the result.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's quite interesting because one would have expected, especially in parts of their business, like their life business, that all of the mortality around COVID-19, all of the deaths that we saw, would have meant that they, I guess, would would have, one, had to make more higher provisions for that, but also, secondly, that they would have had to pay out more by way of claims. It does seem, notwithstanding that, that the new volumes, in a way, I guess, have plugged whatever hole might have arisen from that.
1: So I, I think it's a combination of two things. First of all, going into the crisis I think they're the only insurer who had a special uh, pandemic or disaster reserve. Mm. So that helped them, and that helped them with the payouts and everything during the pandemic. And they all, everybody increased their provisions and their capital, capital um, securing over that period of time. So now when you're looking forward, clearly you're not expecting to experience the same, the same disaster that you saw over the past years. So you don't need to reserve that much capital. And then on the other side, um, it's quite clear. I guess um, even when you speak to people on the street or, or friends and relatives, people are a lot more aware now of the value of saving, investing, saving for a rainy day, emergencies. Um, how do you pay medical bills? What happens when somebody dies? So, I, I guess that's what's driving the new business.
0: Mm. And I mean, talk to me. I guess about some of what we also um, you know saw in terms of. Uh you know just I guess the value of that new business in relation to you know some of the existing business and that group equity value number, but also I guess declaring a dividend there
1: yes well, the thing is the 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 whole so, so excess mortality is what could it definitely impacted earnings and excess mortality is just mortality over and above what they expected, so there was an impact there. But then when you look at the value of new business, remember this is all, this is just aggregating everything that was, that they earned in that one year. So it's all the new, that's all the new policies that they wrote, um, over and above what they have in the book. So, so what happens is as the book is winding down, you'd expect it to contract but you get new business which increases the book and allows you to invest a whole lot more. So you got that money in, and you're able to invest in um, in pretty strong equity markets. So that gave you a lot of um, profits and earnings, which you're able to pay in the higher dividend. So so now they're yielding about, if I remember correctly, about 6% in the, in terms of dividend yield, and, and the shift is up something close to 10% at some stage today. Mm. So... I think both investors and and their clients uh, are laughing all the way to the bank.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I guess uh, from uh, that, um, you know, all of the laughter through to the bank for many of the investors uh, and the management teams out at... um, you know, out at uh, uh, Sanlam to, uh, I guess, a horrific story coming out of Kimberley uh, insofar as the National uh, um you know, commission is concerned. Uh, it's uh, been an ongoing issue. And I was saying earlier on to one of my colleagues, I mean, these are the guys that are probably one of the biggest welfare, sports, recreation, arts and culture type funders. Uh, and to hear of monies being, you know, spent on vehicles and homes uh, for many people in, in the elite in our society is quite unsettling.
1: See the thing; it's it's incredibly sad. Exactly like you say, um, that that national lottery money should be going to deserving, worthy causes who have no alternative sources of of funding. I, I think the thing here, and it just goes to the broader to the broader essay society, that what we need to see is significant, serious consequences for behaviour such as this. Um, Possessions must be must be taken up. People must be prosecuted. The sentences must be extensive. Um, and all of this must be visible in the eye of the public. So it makes white-collar crimes such as this very expensive to participate in. The biggest problem that we see right now is this doesn't get punished. Um, we'll hear about it. We'll hear court cases and postponing and postponing and postponing. And it just never seems like anything happens, or any of these big wigs I ever put away. Uh, I think it's very important um, to to form an example of these people. Once proven, and um, they must be punished. It must be public, and it must be significant. And all of that ill-gotten wealth has to be taken back and used for the for the benefit of those it was supposed to be used again mm. um, previously. Yeah. I mean, the, the oversight as well. These things only happen when the oversight when oversight is weak or non-existent, which tends to which does tend to happen. Um, who are the regulators? Who are the people who are supposed to be watching these guys in their disbursements? Who's the auditor? Um, so I think it just shows a breakdown in the system, a breakdown in a lack of consequences, mm. which is just disastrous.
0: Yeah, quite an an unsettling one here, um, Roy. And uh, we're going to pick up the story um, later on in our show tonight uh, in our uh, headline segment, which is the uh, segment that follows this particular discussion. But um, really, I guess, uh, a very unsettling story there uh, of what has unfolded at the National Lotteries Commission. But uh, I guess the other uh, story I wanted us to take a look at tonight, uh, Roy, is that of um, yeah some of these amendment bills of uh, the legislation around the post office effectively uh, i guess um, yeah and this is the wording bringing the post office into the future uh, but also i guess trying to hive off post bank um, and prepare it to be a fully fledged commercial bank
1: yeah Look, very interesting, extremely interesting. It, it's fun. I, I think this is part of the reform that people are talking about. I mean, the post office has deteriorated to the mm. point of irrelevance. If you go to any public any, any centre, any mall where you previously expected to find a post office, a lot of these places are closed. Why? Because there's really no point in having it. Um, and, and I think what 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 these amendments are trying to do is try to bring it into the modern world and create some relevance. So post-bank, as a standalone, has significant relevance. They've got a big reach. They've got a big network. Um, they, they're literally in places where private banks would not, would not imagine going because expensive to maintain branches and all of that. But you can use them for so many things at such low cost that um, their sustainability is beyond question. So I, I think this is incredibly positive. They didn't mm. give much detail as to... What technology or anything? let's just hope this is the first in a couple of steps that 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 allows this business to become that that allows this s o e to become a real business that's beneficial to the people um that uses its reach to to help people um become financially included um at, at a reasonable cost mm, mm.
0: and I guess you know that that's always you know what I find so difficult um you know about uh I guess, the South African financial services sector. Very sophisticated, very deep capital markets, you know, very, very, I mean, just by developing uh, or emerging market standards, very, very sophisticated. But when it comes, I guess, to, you know, extending its reach into poorer households, you know, it sometimes feels like the retailers and even the fintech or even the telecoms players do much more to get to that consumer than maybe some of the banks are doing.
1: I guess where, where I'll sympathize with the banks is they have high-cost models. Mm. Um, they have all of these systems and capital requirements and everything, which means it's actually a minimum level with which they can service. It is possible to be creative in the way Capitec has been, um, and we've seen this as well in other countries. Equity Bank, TCS in in, 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 in Russia, they've managed to figure out a way of addressing addressing the bottom of the pyramid, um, but but you're absolutely right. I, th- I think the big banks just have a cost base that doesn't allow them to, um, and and I think they're making sufficient money that it's not necessarily in their interest to mm-hmm. try and address this, this this market. Maybe maybe that's what maybe that's what's prevented mm-hmm. them from from going there. But um the opportunities everywhere like you said the retailers have gone in um, the telco companies have gone in um with with um, like NTN and Vodacom as well um and, and also all of these guys doing prepaid products like yeah, yeah. blue financial services mm. and the like so so if the big boys don't see opportunity there are other people who in their normal core business have found ways of addressing this market mm. and not just Um, providing services, making money out of providing those services.
0: You know, fun fact for you, Roy. um, Mm -hmm. A big part, I guess, you know, in the suggestion, a big part of uh, the amendments to the postal services side of things is about, I guess, getting them up to speed with e-commerce and, you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the policy that informs that, or the white paper that informed that of, like, 2016, uh, on e-commerce only had four lines, right? Only, like, four sentences, um, or maybe three sentences over four lines, um, which was just saying, hey, we expect growth on this thing. So um, I wonder, I guess, in the you know, subsequent period, whether or not uh, you know, the DTPS would have a different position, I guess, on, on what role you know, the, um, the post office might play in e-commerce. Because you would recall they have a monopoly on parcels over the size of one kg, which yes, is a market, effectively, last yeah. yes. exactly, and for last mile, which is a market that mm-hmm. the likes of Postnet and others have certainly cornered.
1: So, so the thing is, remember, it's easy to make policies, and, and like I said, mm. this is probably it's good legislation that provides the basis, but there's a lot of other stuff that needs to be done. I mean, I mean, all of these things have lost parcels, delayed, um, things that can't be done overnight. Sure. Um, there's a skills base that needs to be recruited. It needs to be incentivized. it needs to it needs to be hired and and applied there. and then they need to be given the freedom to try and compete within within the constraints of mm. legislation. The legislation has given them a significant advantage. Um, they need to start delivering on that advantage. So it's not so much um, post office making money. it's about post it's about us as consumers benefiting from the post office now going into all of these things, rather than, I I can imagine if you go out and tell somebody now the post office is the only one who will be delivering at this level, the first thing you think is, my parcel will be stolen or it will be lost or I'll get it way too late. They need to recruit that adequate skill. They, they need to keep the promise. They need to make the promise and mm. keep it. And then the confidence will be there and the business will flow. So the legislative environment looks positive. Um, And the idea is a good idea,
0: but the execution, execution is everything. Mm. Hey, yeah, Roy, I mean, this is one of those, I've lamented over a long period of time, I guess, how underutilized much of the real estate in our network of post Mm -hmm. offices is. And one certainly hopes that these are refashioned into community centers where people can access, you know, free internet, free printing, all of the type of things um, that might coalesce into like a job seekers package, because... You've, mm-hmm. got, you've got these things, you know, with uh, um, extensive reach. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, even on just, I guess I understand, postal mail, they still have sizable market share, the post office. And uh, I think yeah. it's quite unsettling that uh, it's been allowed to decline in, in this fashion. Absolutely. And then the brewers, it seems, are going back to the old way, um, which is to use, I guess, um, n- pff, what do they call it? Cow manure or dung. Yes. Uh, And I think many people, uh, you know, who have uh, lived in any rural part of our continent, will understand that that is indeed an energy source often used Mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, you know, uh, fire purposes and fuel purposes, and uh, yeah, now being used to fire up the breweries that produce a lot of what we drink.
1: Yeah, I I think it's very interesting, and I think it's very important, particularly in the context of what we're seeing with the war in Ukraine, Mm. where. Europe suddenly realizes oops we, we 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 committed too much in terms of um, relying on Russian gas we and and we stopped diversifying our gas sources and our energy sources so here in SA we've had 15 years of load shedding that's hurt many segments of the of of the industry many segments of the country and, and i think the answer is not to hope for another huge medupi to come and solve all of our problems it is for solutions such as these to come up. They're within reach. They're not very high-tech. Um, they're sustainable. They're renewable. And they're not necessarily polluted. So I think this is a great idea, particularly if it's applied in places that are away from city centers, away from the grid. Um, it's, it's very cost-effective. It, it does serve a purpose, and and it's it's, it's quite efficient. I think mm. it's a great, great idea. Diversify energy sources. Use what you can that's renewable, where you can use capital, low capital intensity um, methodologies and technology, but all means do it.
0: I think with many people listening to us tonight in the darkness, there'll be very limited sympathy for ESCOM. Uh, <laughs> but if indeed we were to venture some empathy or sympathy for ESCOM, I mean, to mm-hmm. lose big customers like this, um, to embedded self-generation, which is a good thing, right? I mean, the fact that people can add to the national capacity, generation capacity Mm -hmm. uh, for their own, especially many large intensive users, that's a good thing, right? But in effect, Um, it has an implication mm -hmm. I guess for the operational and cash position of ESCOM because in effect the municipalities aren't really good payers, nor are many other government actors and uh, the bulk of the good payers have always been I guess industrial and mining users who are going to set up their own operations. I mean,
1: just Think about it. the only way I think about this thing is it's been 15 years. How can it take 15 years to solve a problem? We know clearly. Um, I mean, if the bet was Medupi and Kusile, what was the backup? Where was the where, where was the alternative? Where was where, where, where was the where was the plan to have excess power production? Why wasn't it urgent? Um, I, I think. Uh, and I think I've said it to you before. Uh, South Af- the South African consumer was not created to subsidize ESCOM. ESCOM was created to serve the South African consumer. Mm. And, mm. and and the mere fact that people are now going off-grid is not because they want to punish ESCOM, but it's because ESCOM is failing. There are many excuses, wet coal, and we can call it whatever <laughs> they want. The reality is they they are failing, and they're constraining the economy's ability to grow. And nobody, I mean, if mm. in 15 years you haven't solved that problem, you can be given another 15, you never will. Oh. I think that's the bottom uh, line.
0: That's the truth. I mean, Roy, you know, I think if, if there's anything that's going to have to happen, is we're going to have to, I guess, you know, unwed ourselves from the idea that electricity can only be produced by a large utility. No, because absolutely. So much Michael can be yeah,
1: distributed. Exactly. Distributed And solar, you can use gas, you can use wind, you can use biogas. Different things, a distributed grid that doesn't have to be billions and billions spent at one go is probably the answer.
0: Yeah, and we know with these mega projects, so much can and is going wrong that, um, I mean, you know, when you hear the story of a hydrogen leak, just the size of how big that leak was out at, uh, was it Madupi that had one of their units explode in August last year? I mean just speaks volumes about this whole mega, mega project bias that we have. Uh, Roy, always a pleasure catching up with you, brother. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me and have a good evening. Awesome. You too, man. Roy Motoni, analyst at APSA Asset Management, joining us there for our business wrap. And uh, yeah, we'll take a brief break now. And uh, when we come back, it's our headline segment. Uh, we take a look at the latest out in the National Lotteries Commission. And uh, yeah, they were out in Kimberley uh, today.